Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 372. Uh, this episode is going to be a bit different from our uh, regular episodes, uh, even a bit different than uh, when we've done recaps or previews, uh, as we're not going to be doing any news segment or talking about any shows. Well, some of these shows specifically, we'll be talking about shows that played during the festival, uh, but that's what we'll be talking about this week is the ATX Television Festival Season 6, uh, which just uh, completed uh, in this past weekend as we're recording here. Uh, on a Monday evening. I'm Jason the TV Holic from TVholic.com, and joining me this week. It's Key Haynes from Key and Clyde. And it's Mike Moody from lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, from Gilmore, Key and I do the uh, Gilmore podcast. We do. Yeah, and we're on the Permanent Record Podcast Network. That uh, is also what's different here is I said they're joining me. Actually, I'm sort of uh, invited myself over to Mike's place to <laughs> record a podcast as I'm still here in Austin. Uh, so, this will be also an interesting experience because very seldom I actually sit in the same room uh, with the people that I'm recording with. So Yeah, has that happened before? We've done one that we recorded in a car okay, uh, <laughs> while coming back from a set visit in Montreal. And then I'm trying to think, we've, we've done at least, I've done at least two or like two or three here or there that we mm-hmm. sometimes just throw down a recorder. Yeah. Did one last year in Chicago at Podcast Movement uh, where... Uh, a couple other TV podcasters are at the thing, found yeah. out they were going to be there, and we recorded in... Oh, did you have Troy on that one? Yeah, Troy Heinrichs cool. was on that one, yeah. and uh, yeah, we uh, talked some TV and stuff like that. That So that's... It's happened a handful of times, but it's always an interesting experience when... Because when we record via Skype, we don't record with the video on no. to right. try and... Minimize minimize the- what the, you know, the taxing of the computer, so make sure yeah. we get the cleanest audio possible. And yeah. So you never, you don't see the reactions, you don't see the body language, you don't, sometimes you end up a lot of uh, talking over people because nobody knows when one person's going to start, one person's going to pick back up. And so, so yeah, a bunch of different things, different than our normal uh, episodes. But as I said, we're going to be talking about the ATX TV Festival season six and kind of going over some of the things we did and stuff. We actually did, Mike was on that podcast, we actually did a preview for the first time on TV Times 3 to That's actually right. talk about what was coming up. for, uh, uh, But in the past, we've done uh, recaps for Season 3, 4, and 5. Uh, but with that, uh, Mike, how many times have you gone to the festival? This is my second time doing a full festival. I think uh, two years ago when I first met you, when you came down, I only did one event. I bought a single ticket for the Rick and Morty yeah. panel because <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan. Because uh, I was out of town most of that week. And but then I, the uh, first impromptu uh, super small TV podcasters meetup was just yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Kyle where we, and myself and you and Nate. And me and Nate. Yeah, that's where we started it. And then we decided the next the next, the next, next year we're going to have a true podcasters meetup. And I think it almost doubled this year. Um, so it was really great. Um, but yeah, I've been going full festival two years. And unfortunately, I didn't get to do everything I wanted this year. I missed a lot of the smaller panels, but all the big stuff I did that I wanted to do, I did hit. So it was really fun. How about for you, Key? This is my second year. So I was there at season five, which was epic to me because of Friday Night Lights and the West Wing and Mm -hmm. just a lot of those types of things. But season six has been really good, too. I've gotten to um, see some different types of things that I didn't see last year. And so it's been a really good experience. Yeah, for me, this is the my third time going, uh, even though I did a recap for 
season three, it was just me talking with a couple other people that had been to it. And it's what actually convinced me to buy a ticket. So I'd go to season four. Oh, that's awesome. Which was uh, talking to them about the festival. And so with that, you know, we've seen, know what the festival is like and what it's about and stuff like that. But I thought we'd go over each day of the festival and, so, like, Mike, what did you do on on the Thursday? What were, did you hit up any of the panels? Did you go to the snowfall screening that night? or I didn't get to the snowfall screening. I was going to go to Ghosted because that was the first thing that was – that was, like, the first event. But then I started hearing, you know, I, it was at 1230, and it was already noon. And I started getting texts from my friends like, hey, you're not going to get into Ghosted. Yeah, because I didn't get into <laughs> no. Ghosted. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'll just get in line early for the Leftovers panel. And I'm glad I did because I got really good seats for it. And that has been one of my favorite shows this season. And they just aired the finale the Sunday before the festival. It's completed. You know everything yeah, I, that's going to yeah. happen to be able to go in and talk to them exactly. or, or hear what they have to say about it. So I was like, if I'm ever going to get a deep uh, conversation from Damon Lindelof, the creator, about this show, it's going to be now. It's going to be here. Cause you just have to worry about spoilers. That too. Because <laughs> the, the show just ended and he's probably like really excited to talk about it. And he was. And he took a bunch of great audience questions and it was just great. And my, me and my buddy Grant from TV Dudes, that's Grant's like – one of Grant's favorite shows, Damon Lindelof is like one of probably his favorite showrunner or TV creator. So we just geeked out at the panel. And, and was, he got a selfie with him. He got a selfie with him too. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And Maureen Ryan did a great job of um, hosting the panel and moderating. It was her first panel. She did a great job. And it was just a great kickoff to the event. I loved it. How about uh, Thursday for you, Key? What did you So we were in line for Ghosted, and we saw a lot of our friends in line for Ghosted, and none of our people got into Ghosted. No. It was just hot and miserable, and we got turned away at the door. But we ended up going to um, first gigs and big breaks, which is pretty cool, because it was with Graham Yost from Justified and his protege, David Andron, who is actually a showrunner for Snowfall. And then Julie Plegg from the originals and her protege, uh, Karina McKenzie. And what, so basically first gigs and big breaks was about looking at both sides of the industry, what it's like to get in and what it's like to bring someone in. And so it was a really great conversation about the unconventional ways both of, uh, both Dave and Karina got in. Karina got in through Twitter. <laughs> yeah. She's, yeah. I've heard her story before. Yeah. And yeah. it's really fun. I remember seeing her story play out because I was following her on, nice. her on Twitter at the time. Like she was one of the, you know, TV blogger slash, you know, critics, right, journalists. Yeah. She but was, a, she was a journalist and she said some really smart, fun things and friended, uh, Julie on Twitter. And that was just part of her story and how she, she got to the writer's room and Dave knew like a cousin of a brother of a friend of someone <laughs> and got a script to Graham Yost and Graham actually read it. And, um, that's kind of, that's how he got, that's how he got in his writer's room. So it's pretty, pretty, you know, fun stories. That was really awesome like a first panel for the festival. That's so cool. I missed a lot of those smaller like industry type panels just cuz I was I was biding my time between personal stuff and the festival this this year, so it was hard to get to everything. So it's great to hear about about those cuz it seems like you attended a lot of them. So I I'm probably going to have questions. Yes, <laughs> and I'm still exhausted, but okay. it was totally worth it. It was <laughs> well, really that, good. Yeah, that was the I I made it to that was one of two things that I did on on the uh on Thursday as well was was going to the the big breaks uh, panel, and it was it was very interesting, you know, to hear the the stories, but also hear their advice on, you know, like what you should be, you know, if you're want to be a TV writer and mm-hmm. stuff like that, uh, of because it wasn't just like she became friends and whatever she had to stop 
she had to basically give up her job and agree right. to be like a script like note taker or whatever yeah. for like a, a year or so before she ever even got a shot to really do anything to write stuff. a script or so, something yeah. or to, to even be a staff par- writer to, i think she was just a writer's assistant yeah to wow. like even participate as you know part of writing a script or whatever yeah. and uh and stuff and so but hearing all their different advice and stuff and so yeah this year was one of those years but somehow like last year i did tons of those types of panels like of the stuff that was there those were the things that interested me but this year there seemed to be more things that had screenings or mm-hmm. you know cast q and a's and stuff like that that uh, that I was interested in, and so I didn't do quite as many as uh, of those other types of smaller panels, but also throughout the thing talking to other people, I still have yet to come across anybody that talking about any panel that they went to this year where they were like oh it was it was terrible or you know the you know things like that i don't I haven't heard anybody. Did, over the course of it, I mean, we'll get back to each day or whatever, but over the course of it, did you, was there anything that like really, I enjoyed everything I went to. Um, I didn't get to see everything I wanted to see, not because the lines were too long, just cause I was doing other stuff. Um, but no, I mean, the highlight for me was like the Battlestar Galactica panel. That was even better than I imagined. It was so much yeah. fun, but uh, key, I think you told me you had one disappointment, didn't you? Did I? Um, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) Come on, come on. But we should get into Snowfall. Because Snowfall was epic on Thursday night. Oh, deflection. Yes, Snowfall was awesome. It was also very interesting to then see that after having seen him on the panel earlier in the day. Okay, tell me about Snowfall because I missed it. Is it good? Yeah, so it's FX. Um, John Singleton is the creator. Um, Dave Andron, as I just spoke about, is a showrunner. And then Tommy Shalami directed the first episode. And Mm. so just just epicness. Um, It was basically John Singleton saying he was going back to his roots, kind of like Boys in the Mm -hmm. Hood-ish. Snowfall is about this young man who's... um, he lives in um, the hood, quote unquote, um, but he's gone to a school in the valley. So he's kind of living a little bit of two lives. He has connections with um, just a different group of people, different different wealth bracket, I guess you would say. Yeah. And so he decides um, to up his uh, drug game <laughs> and go into selling cocaine. Okay. Um, so things get really, really crazy. And there's a CIA component and... What 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 yeah, what other it's components? It's a period piece. Yeah, I didn't know that going in. 80s. I hadn't really looked anything up about it. I just you know the little bit I'd heard about it, you know that John Singleton was behind it and that it had something to do with with the name Snowfall. It had something to do with cocaine, cocaine. And right? Stuff yeah. Like that, but I hadn't really uh, looked up too much more about it, which I always find is always almost more an interesting way to go into something. Absolutely. Is, yeah. Is, is, no you expectations. Could be, yeah. yeah. You could be surprised by it. And so like when it comes up and, and the, you know, the scene, and then it tells you like, it's like the eighties or whatever. And you're like, Oh yeah, it's we're, we're, uh, but yeah, it, it involves the, it involves the story of the CIA, you know, in trying to help the Contras basically selling cocaine into the into los angeles and other you know other you know black communities and things like that and it's the it's the story of that and how those things and so you have the cia agent and the guy from what i'm you know that was part of the group that was you know that needed weapons and stuff like that and this was the mechanism to fund it and in this story the 
CIA agent that he was working with ODs <laughs> and dies, and you get he has to start working with this other guy and to almost convince him to to do it, and he decides to to take that up because it's just think- like a really terrible way. To do something that they thought was right, but like the total wrong way Ultimately, to go about it. Ultimately, the consequences are going to be monumental. You know, just, you know, introducing cocaine into a whole new market that right. wasn't that wasn't, wasn't doing a, that any wasn't of that thing. Was and so, it was the precursor also to crack because right. then that would lead yeah. to crack. And then, yeah. so these communities, all they had, all they were smoking were was marijuana. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. very, very interesting um, come to life. I, you know, I felt like it was. It was shocking, but it felt different for FX because FX usually does very groundbreaking stuff. And I didn't feel like, I don't know, Jason, you and Wayne, I didn't feel like it was groundbreaking. I, do, I did feel the shock factor. Okay. But I'm not really sure yeah, well, there was a, about there was, the fit. There was, a, there was a couple of scenes that kind of go for, a, you know, sort of a, a shock value type of thing. Like you can see on Showtime or HBO. Yeah. It definitely, <laughs> as... As uh, Kyle said last week, they were uh, jokingly in watching a bunch of screeners for stuff coming this summer. Is this is the the summer of the butt? Is is, <laughs> is there's every almost every show seems to have naked butts everywhere, no matter what network they're on. Almost Why not? It seems and like, my, Mike, once you see this butt, you will never forget and, this okay. butt scene. And uh, <laughs> it, just, it just made me laugh because when we were sitting there watching it, and I'm like, "This is a new show coming." It was one that I hadn't seen yet. Yeah. But it, it, I was like, it falls into that category of there's a whole other show that's just got naked butts everywhere. Another yeah. summer butt. Here uh, it is. Yeah. So <laughs> there were scenes, scenes like that. But I thought that the cast was really good. Yes. Uh, it's an interesting story. It's told in an interesting way where you're sort of following these two or three like different groups. And, you know, you know, ultimately you're going to see those things merge and come, you know, they're going to come across each other and how it causes problems for all of them. And and things of that nature, but it was, it was pretty good. I wouldn't say it was like outstanding, but it's always interesting. And it always changes. Sometimes my opinion a little bit when they come out and do the Q and a afterwards. And then you hear the ideas behind it. You hear that the lead actor is British, right? Damson, he's got, and I didn't know anything about him. Like, you don't, he's, he's a British actor. This is like the first thing he's done really over here. And, that was actually part of the conversation because yeah, he, they didn't want to hire British for this because, right. you know, there's always this conversation around, yeah. are you hiding, hiring Brits for American roles? Authenticity. Yeah. And, yeah. well, he also had to be a young black man from South Central, South Central in the 80s. Yeah. And that's, you know, he's from now in, in his, Britain. His and, experience is totally different. But, but watching you, it, you couldn't tell. definitely not one of those where the, uh, you know, where you could – you could tell you could slipped in and out of it or something like that or whatever. I had no idea until he talked on the, yeah. on the panel and they started talking about that. You're like, that was really good. He was really good. He said he listened to a lot of ice cube. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, I do that anyway. I'm not, I'm not even doing it. Yeah, show. I know. Um, so, wow, you guys got a pretty early premiere for snowfall cause it's not coming out till July 5th. Yeah. Almost a whole month in advance. Pretty and cool. FX. Well, FX has been, Pretty big here at ATX of of doing some of these things yeah. with the screening some of their stuff, uh, uh, as has you know uh, USA Network and and now Hulu is really big with the, some of their stuff uh, as well. But FX has been almost at least since the beginning. At least I remember they were doing stuff 
They did the Dennis Leary show or whatever. On Sex it. and Drugs and Rock yeah, and Roll. Like they did a Rescue Me panel. They had the Terriers panel last year. Yeah, they've yeah. Uh, yeah some old stuff, some new stuff from from them. So yeah, it's been uh, been pretty good. How so? Uh, so Friday was more of uh, the first sort of like full day. Thursday was there was a handful of things throughout the day, and then yeah. the big opening night thing. There's a bunch more stuff on. Uh, how about you? Uh, for Friday, Mike, what did? Uh, well, I'm curious. Did anybody go to the Northern Exposure on Friday? I did. Okay. Good, because uh, I wanted to do that. I had to miss it because of family stuff, but, but tell my, me about it. That yep. was my top. Okay. That was at the top of my list. I well, had the fast pass for good. it. That was, that was right I, there at the... I cede my time to you. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about that. I had watched some of the show not too long ago because I did... Uh, uh, my friend Kate, who does the Televerse podcast, yeah. uh, she doesn't do them as much anymore, but she used to do what she called the DVD shelf, and... Mm-hmm. and they used to always go over some uh, past show that had you know had been completed and right. nothing. They never talked about anything in that segment unless it you know had come to an end. Yeah. And uh, so that was one of the shows on the list that she wanted to to talk about. And when she was like looking for something, I was like, <laughs> so I'd I'd gone back and watched some of you know season one episodes and stuff like that to mm-hmm. sort of like refresh my memory. But yeah, seeing one on the on the big screen, even though it's in four three format, right. you know, because yeah. so, that's shows from the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's quite a quite a bit ago now. Yeah, but yeah, but seeing the cast come back up, uh, and them having a lot of the main uh, cast members, uh, especially considering how Rob Morrow left mm-hmm. the show, and and then the show continued on without him. Spoiler for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one season without him. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you ended up, you know, things like that. So it was kind of interesting to see him on a panel and also like very, I was, I hadn't even really heard. I mean, I'd heard of, uh, I think Darren Burroughs had done mm-hmm. some sort of crowdfunding thing to try and do right. some sort of a redo Northern exposure type thing. But apparently Rob Morrow was real big on doing some sort of reunion type thing or something like that. Uh, mm. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing, you know, maybe one of those you look back on, on upon further reflection, maybe my exit out of the show wasn't the greatest thing, <laughs> you know, at wow. the, you know, or something like that. If you're yeah. looking back on it that fondly now, but yeah, listening to them talk about like filming that last episode when he left and mm-hmm. how it was like, almost like going through like a divorce, you know, where mm-hmm. all the, you, these characters had been with each other. And since they filmed in Roslyn, Washington, just outside of Seattle, they were all removed when they were filming, like from, you know, being in Hollywood or being, you know, around. It was, you know, it's kind of secluded in, you know, small town yeah. uh, that they were filming in a lot of the time. And so they really bonded as, you know, a cast and stuff like that. But it was, I don't know, it was just really interesting listening to them talk about that, listening to some of the writers and things like that talk about uh, the stories. They ended uh, since Adam Arkin was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, he was on a director's panel and some, you know, for other things, he was in the audience since he played a role. He's Dave the cook. They, they called him down and, uh, nice. and had him join the, the panel and talk about, you know, being on the show. Yeah. And he talked about how, how he got onto the show and that also that was Northern Exposure was the first show he ever got a chance to direct. Okay. And I was going to ask you, did he And that's where that? he got, I mean, he had already had that from i mean listening to him in the director's panel mm-hmm. he talked about how he had already had the 
that sort of bug to do it, mm-hmm. to be, to, to do directing. But that was his first time that he got a shot. And, hmm. and now he's gone on to direct just, you know, a boatload. Of, so <laughs> of many TV things. Yeah. Tons then. of Sons of Anarchy. He's yeah. fantastic. I love yeah. him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stuff that he's been in, stuff that he's not in. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really a lot of fun just to see. Uh, some of those, some of the cast members and stuff like that, and them talking so fondly about the, you know, looking back on the show and stuff like that. It was. It's it was, a fantastic show. I think it. It's like, uh, if you look back on it, people don't talk about that show a lot, even though at the time it was pretty big. Yeah. And it's really good. And the whole, you know, that it was, it was like originally like a summer show type of thing that uh, mm. when that wasn't, yeah, a thing, right? You know, like. <laughs> Summer shows. It was all about. Uh, it was all about reruns and of of the, the stuff from the past season. The stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was an actual run of. Yeah, it was, and it did. Yep. It was almost really, almost like a burn off, right? Type of thing, and it was a really quirky show for CBS. But it did so well. Yeah, like out of the blue, uh, that you know they uh, they really ended up being able to do. I think that was the panel where he talked about that, like, they kind of just, after a certain point, because it wasn't really their style or whatever, but it was one of those things you couldn't cancel because, like, you can't, especially at the time with the numbers it was getting, you can't cancel something like that, even if it doesn't fit your brand or whatever. Because who cares if it fits your brand if it's getting that? People are watching. People are watching. That's a good point. Back when, you know, commercials were actually, you know, they were actually making money by selling commercials during these things and stuff. Uh, So they kind of ended up being able to do whatever they want. And so they went, like, quirkier and quirkier. Yeah, kind of stuff like yeah. that. Like they just—that's a light way to put it. They just kind of uh, embraced that and and went went off with that. And uh, but it, was there anything you got to? That was uh, the one you. That was that was at the top of the list. But uh, but I missed it. But later that day, I did see the Fargo panel, which was great because I, again, I love that show, and it was great to see Noah Hawley up there. Noah Hawley's usually at the ATX TV Fest because he's from Austin. And he spends a lot of his time here, has a home here. And it was just great seeing a local boy up there, you know, seeing a local boy who has created two, not one, but two of the most original, interesting television shows on the air today, you know, Fargo and Legion. And to have, um, I forgot who the moderator was, but it was a really, I think it was Dan Feinberg. Yeah, it was Dan. And he did a really good job of just pulling a lot of information from Noah about how he makes a show and, you know, where all these themes came from, how he makes it feel like a Coen brothers movie, but puts his own spin on it. So that was great. I, everybody, we all did kind of leave the panel a little bummed because Noah said he's not sure there's going to be a fourth season, not because the network doesn't want it, but he's not sure if he has it in him. So I don't know if that's, Hundred percent true, or, or he's just kind of like trying to get us to, to maybe just clamor for a, anticipation. Yeah, maybe just, or it'll be one of those shows that he needs a, a little time, like a little space between yeah. bringing an, another right. Uh, especially when he's dropping something like Legion in like the Legion. middle of it, which is just as bizarre, like in a different mm-hmm. direction type of thing. And mm-hmm. you kind of go, this is all coming, you know, or at least the. The ideas, you know, not everything's coming. You, know, you end up with lots of writers on shows and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we're you know, all the like, overall vision of the thing that's running these two yeah. shows like this. That's a lot to do. He's, 
He's got to be uh, a little busy. Got to be a little busy and, and drained. And I'm uh, sure. but then on the other side, you don't want him doing just another season of the show just because. Yeah, people are wanting another season That's of the true. show, and he doesn't have it in him. And then they would be more a, upset that it was yeah. garbage. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then he's yeah. like, "Oh, he's lost it." It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's he did, crap. He did say he had no idea for a story for the next one. He's not sure if he's going to have an idea, and if he does, it might be several years from now who knows so but you know yeah i prefer that i prefer him to come back even we're almost in that tv landscape now where nothing's ever really canceled and nothing's ever really picked up or like like curb your enthusiasm you know know, there was like yeah there's a bunch of shows that just kind of hang out there you know like uh, louis like if louis decides he wants to do some more uh, John Landgraf, be sure. Right. We'll put him on the air whenever you get him done, yeah. you know, type of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to see that Noah Hawley has kind of earned that status, too. You know, like, oh, I'm going to take two years to write the next uh, season. Okay, go ahead. You don't have to have it done, you know, by fall. Yeah. But th- it was a great panel. That was my highlight of the day. That's awesome. So I wanted to see more screenings this time. And so I went to go and see a show that's been on for two seasons and I haven't seen it at all <laughs> before I saw the ep- the episode, the season three premiere. So I went to see Playing House, which is about these two childhood friends. Oh, yeah. uh, one friend comes back to help the other one after raised that raised that kid after or her kid after a, a divorce, and it was really fun and funny. And I'm a writer, and so I have this mom project in mind, and so it was cool to see something similar to what I want to do already on the air, which I had no idea about. So it was actually part research too. Um, but it was good, and uh, all the fans in there were really, really excited about the show that I had never heard about. Yeah, that's, that's also part of the TV landscape these days. Yeah. You come across a show that you've never, ever heard about. So I kind of felt like, like an imposter. And then I said, hey, I haven't really seen the show to the two girls next to me who I hadn't met before. Um, and so they were excited to tell me all about it. So it was cool. And that's USA. And I know USA is a big sponsor of ATX. So mm-hmm. um, they have a lot of things to show. They still don't have Mr. Robot, though. Yeah. But they they still did the you know as they said at the suits, uh, scrittery they they did the f- season one they did a screening of suits mm-hmm. even though you know and as they said there was like maybe fifty people in the screening you know type of thing to do and yeah but for a network like that to come on for this thing that was just a little brainchild that they were yeah. just trying to get off the ground is uh, and. If, continue to uh to support but there's still still hope one day there'll be a maybe in a couple of years when they've done their five seasons of mr robot or whatever <laughs> and then they'll then they'll have the like the leftovers uh right at the right end. at the end you'll yeah. be able to or 10 years from now they'll have a reunion yeah, panel. they'll have the reunion panel yeah. or something like that i'll uh, cover the reunion panel for my mr robot podcast yeah it, friday was the screenings day for me like i i was at the alamo draft house all day oh yeah i started with the playing house panel as well because i love that show i think those two are hilarious i've watched all their previous shows that have not mm-hmm. gone anywhere you yeah. know have been they had a show on abc right or- they had a they had an nbc yeah. show and i think they had uh I can't remember. They've done. They. I think they've done two shows previously together, mm-hmm. and this is the one. Although it's continued to go on, it's in its third season, but it's not like it's really been burning up the the screen. But it, the yeah. people that have watched it love it, and I just think those two together are hilarious because they are actually friends, mm-hmm. and they just know how to play off of each other. And so some of the stuff is just. It's written and stuff, and then some of it is in the moment that they totally in the moment that they because the thing about it is this season one of the characters in the show because and it plays off a lot of the stuff that they do plays off their real life, 
gets breast cancer and she had breast cancer in real life. And you go, well, that's a laugh riot, <laughs> you know, type of subject. You're really, you're going to wrap a comedy season around that subject matter. And then they're talking about it and you're laughing. And it, it works. It's, it's somehow works. It's, it's very bizarre. Uh, it kind of, in that sort of situation, kind of reminds me of, of how the, the Carmichael show works. I was just going to say they, that it's... they they take some take some topics like this third season premiere was about consent and rape culture and stuff right. like that. And you're like, well, there's another laugh riot of yeah. a segment. And then you throughout the half hour, you're like laughing and you're like, but not ever in a way where you're like, should I be laughing at this mm-hmm. or whatever? They they really ride that line uh, well, and so. I'm interested to see how this how this season works, knowing that that's going to be sort of a backbone of part of the story going forward. But I think they're hilarious. But they're also an example of one of the things that I love about the ATX Festival is that they were – I didn't get to that panel because, like I said, I was in screenings all day. <laughs> it was up against uh, – it was at the same time, I think, as Northern Exposure. So, oh. uh, But they went over to be on a writer's panel that was talking about writing – best friends talking about writing friend relationships, you know, on TV shows. And that's the thing I love about this festival is they look around and see who they have for all these different shows yeah. and what they've done and stuff like that. How to group them together. And for then a they special group panel. them together for yeah. a yeah, maximize on a, on a certain topic. The conversations. And yeah. I'm sure that that panel had to have been fantastic, yeah. you know, and, uh, and highly entertaining. And I look forward to seeing the, when that when that one comes out later on, yeah. you can watch the video online yeah. later on because they also do record everything and end up putting them online uh, later on. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's cool. I'll get to which watch is, all those little panels. Which I is pretty cool. Yeah, it's still. I heard last year they didn't all go up though. I don't know. If yeah, that's yeah. true. But mm, we'll see. They do a pretty good job. Sometimes they end up with like long clips of something or like compilations of some things, but they do put up a lot of the. Of the panels do end up going, going up. I'm sure over time that maybe cost wise, like they get as many as they can or the ones yeah. they think are going to get the views and stuff right. like that. They, they also always... feed some of the audio out to different podcasts. Like I think the Nerdist Writers panel had a lot of the, oh, okay. the yeah. ATX panels the he, past couple yeah, of years. That's cool. The, but he yeah, wasn't this, here this year, so I don't know. The whole last year, there's been. Like he'll have an episode where he's talking to somebody, and then like the next episode is, here's this panel about writing from the ATX festival. And you're mm-hmm. listening to the panel. You know, he just introduces it, and then you're listening yeah. to the the whole panel to the panel. Yeah, I listened to I listened to some of those that uh, were things that I hadn't gotten to. Yeah, even though I got to more of those types of things last year, but. You said you were doing screenings. Did you, you spend all day at the Allen I, Draft House I as did, well? I did not. I, <laughs> last year, I did zero screenings, I think. And so this year, I really did want to at least see something that I hadn't seen before. Um, but after that, I ended up at the at Too Close to Home, which was very interesting because I heard about a new show I'm excited about. That's oh. another great thing about the about the festival, too. Is you, My friend Ivy, who came to the festival for the first time, went home with like three more shows on his list of things that he now wants to watch that he heard about during the festival. Well, this one's not even out yet. It's um, coming out on Netflix, I guess maybe in a month or two. It's called atypical. It's about a young person with autism, but the the story really centers around how no one's quote unquote normal. Mm. And so it just really shows, I think their love story, which 
It's something that I don't know that's been explored that much hmm. for uh, people on the spectrum. So, yeah. yeah, that's by Rabia Rashid. So I'm excited to see that. That's cool. I had ne- I'd never heard of that. Yeah. And also in that panel, it was the Too Close to Home, Javier Grillo. And I don't know how to pronounce his last Mark's name. Watch. Mark's Watch. There you go. Thank Javi- you. Javier Grillo, Mark's Watch. Perfect, Mike. <laughs> Perfect. As, as he said, Mark's Watch. watch. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's how I learned it. Mm-hmm. And Liz uh, Tegler and David Hudgens from Parenthood. And so um, that was it was really good to hear Javier because I listened to him from the podcast Children of Tendu. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that it, that's who it was when I was walking in, but then of course I heard his voice. I was like, <laughs> I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was a lot of fun as well. Yeah. He's definitely become kind of the cult celebrity or one of the cult celebrities of the, of the fest. He's been coming for the past couple of years. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen him last year. So yeah, that was a nice surprise. He was yeah. in tons of panels this year and last and year. And they did a middleman yes. uh, screen and panel this year for his, which I also missed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy Les went to it and said it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty good. That was uh, that was one of the ones that uh, was that that wasn't that day. That was the next day. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was. Uh, but I did Northern Exposure uh, after Plain House, and then the Black Donnellys and Midnight Texas. So I did screenings all day. Before, what stood out for you? Actually, while I love the Northern Exposure thing, just because I love that show, uh, Black Donnellys is a you know short lived show. One of the in that they always do a handful of shows at the festival, the, uh, you know, gone too soon, you know, the canceled right. too quickly type shows. And that uh, falls into the category. They only did one season, but of the season, only like half of it aired or something like that. I think only like seven episodes actually aired, but I don't remember watching past maybe one or two uh, at the time. It was pretty, you know, pretty good, but watching it now and it's 10 years old, I was struck at how well it holds up huh. other than a few places within the episode where it talks, you know, it talks about a flashback. And so it does set a time. So, you know, that it, you can, you know, if you're, if you do the math, you know, that it, what time period it, it, it actually was a decade ago that it was taking place contemporarily. Mm-hmm. But other than those, because of the story that they're telling, you know, this uh, set of four brothers and, you know, Irish and Italian mob and stuff like that in, in New York. And the way that they're telling the story and this type of stuff, you know, like there's this old mob boss guy and, and he's using like an old style phone in the thing in his bar, you know, to, to call somebody or whatever. And that phone's never going to be out of place. Like mm. there's always going to be that phone someplace <laughs> in a bar like that. It's not going to look out of place like ever, as opposed to like some cell phone or something like that. And there just was just the way it was filmed. There was nothing that stuck out to me. That, other than like I said, the flashback pieces that ever made you go, oh wow, this is this is old. Right. It felt like it could go on the air now, and fit right in with some of the darker, yeah, uh, type of shows that are that are on these days and do you know relatively well and stuff like that. I say relatively well because it didn't do so well the first. It time didn't around. do so well, <laughs> but even at the numbers that it did back then, like. People would love to have the numbers it got canceled sure. with today, you know, even That's 10 true. years later. Yeah. But that was one of those panels that I was interested in Northern Exposure and I was interested in going to the Midnight Texas one. And there was nothing else really to go to, to like go away and then try and get back, mm-hmm. you know, that you could fit into that time period. 
And all of those just sort of worked out where they were an hour away from each other. So you got out of one and you could just go get in line. And since you can't start really lining up for anything until an hour before, you just walked right out and got back in line and you're stay at the element. And you just yeah. go right back in when they, they open the, you know, the same theater you just came out of, you go back in and sit right. almost practically in the same place you were sitting, you yeah. know, and, uh, uh, for the next one. And so I went to it just because it fit in the thing. It wasn't a show that I was interested in seeing, but it was interesting seeing it on and then interesting having the co-creator mm. talk about how people got cast and the history of the show where it was originally, where it's based somewhat on him. Mm. The other co-creator was Paul Haggis and he wanted to do a story on, you know, he wanted on this other guy because he grew up with four brothers and a sister in I think it was, I can't remember exactly the time period, but when they did the show, it was originally a period piece. Mm-hmm. And the lead actor had to drop out for personal family reasons. And when they did that, the reason it got picked up, even though it wasn't, you know, hadn't really been written, they hadn't, they didn't have a pilot. Like they got picked up for like a short uh, stint or something like that without the lead actor, it all fell, it all fell apart and it went away for a while. But somebody else who had read the script back then, you know, it's one of those things that came back around when they were at a different network now and they ended up going back and talking to him. And, but when it got redeveloped, it became a contemporary piece mm-hmm. said at the, you know, the, at present day. And I love that stuff, finding the history of things like that, how it's always amazing. Like sometimes how these stories actually end up on TV. Absolutely. Some of the stories of how the people got cast onto the show and it was, it became super interesting. And another reason I love the festival is you, you end up, uh, I think you mentioned on the first day you wanted to go to one thing and you end up going to something else. And that panel ended up being really good and really interesting. And that happens all the time. You go to something. It's true. Because you couldn't get into something else or you weren't planning to go see it originally and it turns out to be one of the highlights of the mm-hmm. of the time. And that was sort of the thing that kind of stood out of the day, even though I was going Northern Exposure was the number one thing on my list. Yeah. That almost stands out a little more than that just because it came out of nowhere. Right. And I, I just wanted to sit in, in the AC theater for <laughs> an hour, you know, you know, ninety minutes right. waiting to go to Uh, midnight texas you know after that so yeah that was uh that's really encouraging because a buddy of mine wes he's been telling me to watch this show forever and he even asked me did you go to the screening and i was like i didn't even really realize i mean i think i saw it on the schedule but it didn't you know stand out to me and so now i'll definitely go watch yeah i've heard good things i've never seen it yeah i would still it's just how well it held up for being 10 years old that you know you, you could almost put it on now and you you could like maybe change a couple little dialogue pieces and I can't remember if something pops up on the screen that says a time. I don't think there was, I think it's because uh, it's being the story's being told by somebody who's being, who's been arrested and they're grilling him and, and he's telling the story and then you're seeing what he's sort of telling them and stuff like that. And, uh, and so he pops in some different years and stuff like that of what's going on. And you could just change those. And, right. <laughs> put yeah. them up another 10 years, 10 years and forward. put it on now and yeah. it almost fit just because of the neighborhood that it was in and stuff like that, that stuff wouldn't, stuff didn't really stick out that it was that, that old. But, uh, but how about, uh, how about Saturday for you, Mike? That was the, 
that was the big day that ended with Battlestar Galactica. But uh, did you did you get to anything else that day? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me because I live in Austin, you know, so I have stuff going on. You know, it's not like complete vacation for me like it is for you. Yeah. So like ATX isn't my whole weekend, so I have other stuff going on. But I did make sure to make it out to Battlestar. And what an awesome panel. Were we all there? Yes. Okay. That was... I mean, not only is it one of my favorite shows of all time, and I think it's one of the best shows of all time. Yes. <laughs> but seeing the love that the cast has for each other and seeing how they regard Edward James almost, just like I regard him as a great actor who um, who really chooses his roles, you know, uh, very meticulously. And only does seems to only do really quality projects. You know, they all look to him as a leader. Like I could identify with that, especially if you watch the show. You know, he's the admiral. He's a leader. So it was funny. It felt like everybody in the cast kind of fell into the the roles that they were cast in on the show. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like uh, James Callis who played Baltar was like the goofy trickster. Uh-huh. You know, he was the puck of the, of the, of the panel and the sexy and the sexy one. Cause you know, he had a couple of those elements. In he's, he's, he's very sexy. <laughs> and you know, Trisha Helfer's kind of the, the dangerous flirt, you know, uh, not Trisha Helfer. Uh, yeah. Trisha Helfer. Yeah. Six. Right. Yeah. It was, it was great. And seeing how much they love the show and they still love the show and how much appreciation they have for the fans. And, how they're willing to go up there and entertain everybody for an hour what was just uh, amazing. And it was a wonderful venue. What ended I, up being almost two hours. Yeah, it, <laughs> it went long. And I, I even didn't mind the, uh, the, the screwed up Skype call to France with Jamie Bamber. That, that was my that was just fun. favorite. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Edward James almost trying to do tech support. <laughs> He's like <laughs> looking into you, the video. He's like, do you, do you have headphones? Have headphones? Do you have a microphone with headphones? I was yeah. like, oh, he's a podcaster. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, that'll work better, right? Like yeah. that. I just thought of it as like always the director. Like, you know, there you go. Like there you go. Yeah. He's like directing the scene. Like, yeah. we need, uh, we mm-hmm. need headphones for this guy in this yeah. scene. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was a great panel. I mean, they, they usually have, a handful of those type of things each year where ones. they, they yeah. do the big thing. Uh, where they actually put, they make a set on stage. Yeah. yeah. It becomes really good. And, and seeing like how many of them they got to, you know, they got to come cause they're all, a lot of them are all still doing things and mm-hmm. uh, they got a bulk of the main, you know, like the main cast was there. They I really mean, did. Absolutely. I mean, you had, you had the Admiral, you had the president, you had Starbuck, you know, you had six, uh, Grace Park, you know, and then, and then James Callis and then, uh, Michael Truco rounding things out. And of course, Ron Moore. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then Ron Moore as the, you know, the creator of it. And the best part being there was no plan. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a plan. I, I love the audience questions. I love that one guy who was like, Oh my God, my, I, I, I just got into your show because my friend Dave told me to watch it. <laughs> and Dave's the cool guy and you're cool. I remember you from this show. And everybody's like, get to your question. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, let this guy ramble on. He's entertaining. Well, at first, yeah, it became that. Okay, yeah, come on, dude, ask your question. And then it went like a little too far, and then you're like, people started chanting, ask your question, yeah. ask your question. And you're like, no, now just let him rant. Like, just yeah. let him go. Like, I want to see where this ends. Like, yeah. I want to see how long he goes before he actually gets to his question. Yeah, the guy was obviously stoned. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved hearing um, from some of the actors 
Katie Sackhoff, I think Trisha Helfner, even James Callis talk about how many auditions they went on. Right. And yeah. so <laughs> when you see such a perfect cast, you just think, oh, they must have seen it right away. They must have known right away that this was the person for the role. But it was awesome to hear. I mean, it should be encouraging for anyone in all of your lives, you know, mm-hmm. that just keep going for what you want because obviously mm-hmm. those three are amazing and you would think that they would have seen it right away, but... Yeah, they kept telling Katie Sackhoff that she was too girly right. to play Star Wars. Yeah, and too yeah. young. And too young. Yeah, because they originally, while it was originally to gender swap the role from the original show, it was originally set she was to be more, you know, 30-ish mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. And she was definitely, at the time, much... She's actually closer to the to the age now, almost. <laughs> right? Yeah, she was like twenty one when she was cast. Yeah, yeah, she's a like, baby. Uh, that the character would have been originally, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I love finding out those types of details and stuff. And yeah, that they keep calling you back. You got to figure that they must like something. They're, they're trying to figure out something, like whether you work with well with somebody else or whether they can get the right yeah uh, thing to. You know, or or they just need more to try and convince somebody else because they actually do believe that you're the right person, but they need to convince somebody else Get that somebody you're the right person. To sign and, off, yeah, and uh, and go with it. But but yeah, it was a great a great conversation. And those those ones, the the big Saturday night things, they're always scheduled for ninety minutes. They almost always go like two hours because mm-hmm. as they should. Yeah, yeah. Like, although. Uh, I always go, they ought to just schedule it for two hours. But I was like, then they'd probably go two and a half hours. Yeah. So probably scheduling it for 90 and leaving room for two hours is probably yeah. the better way to go. It's a better strategy. Uh, but yeah, that's that was a great panel. But that was also the day uh, for me, uh, which started out with the, uh, I went to the Actor to Action, hmm. which was one of the other very few of the more non-screening type panels and things like that, the more industry-focused type things uh, that I went to. And it was... It was a nice array. You had Edward James Olmos, mm. who's directed both film and TV. First directing for TV was a Miami Vice episode. Mm. And then you had... Uh, was Ken Olin there? Yeah, Ken Olin was there, and uh, Adam Arkin was there, uh, and then Patrick J. Adams from Suits, mm-hmm. and Kira Sedgwick, mm. you know, formerly of The Closer. And it was interesting there because you had somebody like Edward James Olmos, who's directed both... TV and film for really long time and done tons of stuff. And then also, you know, Ken Olin and Adam Arkin, who have been directing TV for quite some time now, you know, talking about directing since Northern Exposure, that's like over a couple decades ago, he's been right. directing episodes. Uh, you know, he directed a lot of episodes of Chicago Hope and then all kinds mm-hmm. of other, uh, as, as well as, you know, Ken Olin first directed on 30 something and has been directing all kinds of stuff now and is now, was the executive producer of uh, This Is Us. It's a, it's a little show on NBC. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just may have heard of it. But then you have Patrick J. Adams, who he's directed a handful of episodes of Suits. Uh-huh. And then Kira Sedgwick, who while has you know acted, but has produced a lot of things with her uh, production company, is just now directed her first thing. And so <laughs> while... They were all, you know, different ages and different things. You had somebody who was first time director, That's somebody awesome. who's directed a few, somebody who's been directing for a couple of decades, somebody who's been, you know, a couple of that's been directing for two or three decades, and then Edward James Olmos, who's been, you know, directing for like four decades or something <laughs> like that, you know. And uh, that's a good cross section. So they, yeah, they had 
uh, they do a good job of that type of thing where they they work to get a pers- uh, you know a well-rounded perspective of of uh, the topic that they're covering or whatever and so uh, but this one being all former actors mm-hmm. that while still do some acting have at some point in time got the uh you know the directing bug and right. you know somebody like Patrick J Adams who's directed a handful or you know like three maybe four episodes but they're giving him the hundredth episode of Suits to direct. Wow, you know, which is a pretty big, yeah. you know, thing to. That's a pretty. They usually go for something, and you know, around yeah. that, you know, that's a big number to get to on episode. a TV show, even yeah. these days. You know, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. But you know, listening to them talk about that, and then uh, went to the uh, Sweet Vicious panel. Oh, cool! Uh, which was. Highly interesting. <laughs> uh, I, well, I love that show. I thought the show was great. Why was um, it so interesting? Well, interesting being, well, for two reasons. One, I thought it was going to be way more full than it was. Mm. I thought it was, uh, I've said it before on the preview podcast, given the makeup yeah. of the the people that go to the festival for the most part being at least 65, maybe even 70% female, that a show like that, even though barely watched would have had TV fans that would go to a TV festival. I thought it, I don't know. I just thought it would be highly attended. Uh, I just thought it would, yeah, it would be one of those that maybe not, you know, lying around the block or something like that, but that would have, cause the room was like three quarters full and it wasn't a huge room, but it was an interesting cast and creator Q and a afterwards. I was one of, Maybe ten guys in the in the room. I thought you were going to say like three or four. Yeah I, yeah, I didn't like stand up and count. I mean, I could see there there was a handful, and so I, I'm assuming that in each group around the thing there might have been an yeah. equal number of uh, of people. But it, yeah, but a very interesting conversation and around what that show was. Again, another one of the, a show that while revolved around rape culture on college campuses, still had a sort of a sense of humor mm-hmm. and was funny at times. And even though it was all, uh, you know, highly dramatic, uh, and then also had cute little blonde girl beating the crap out of people, you know, as the, the vicious side of the sweet, yeah. uh, type of thing. But yeah, a very, very interesting panel that I then left and went to the middleman, uh, screening and panel where Javier Grillo Marshwatch got high at the beginning of the panel and then why not and then they brought out like little mini champagne bottles for all of them on the oh yeah <laughs> and they were drinking while and so it was a fantastic panel <laughs> they, wow. they got all kinds of uh, uh interesting answers and things to questions and yeah. stuff like that uh it was uh that's appropriate for that show that yeah. show's crazy <laughs> well as he said he said to somebody I can't remember because there was somebody else that had it, that he got it from her in the audience or whatever. And he's like somebody that hadn't seen the show or whatever. And he was like, Oh, well you're high. He goes, Oh, you'll love it even more. (laughs) It's even better that way. Definitely. Uh, But yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was a fun panel uh, as well. And that's something you'll, you'll never get anywhere else. That's something special about ATX. They, they choose these little scene shows, but that have, something interesting about them and have such a uh, 
great fan base and a great basic creators that you know it's going to be a fun panel. So you're not going to see something like a middleman panel at San Diego. You know, it's going to be at a smaller fest like this, which is one of the things that makes ATX so special. Yeah. And both him and Natalie Morales mm-hmm. are, you know, they love the show. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, one of her first, you know, sort of big break type of things, you know, as a being more of a lead uh, in something. And, uh, and it was his baby being it came from the comic book of that character that he co-created mm-hmm. and then turned into a show. Yeah, he left Lost to do yeah, that. And it, it didn't it didn't pan out. It was in a really weird time slot. On ABC Family. On ABC Family back when it got like uh, it w- the, its lead in was the 700 Club. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> uh, yeah. is not exactly the. Uh, no. I like that the conversation ended up. Uh, uh, they brought another uh, writer up who was here because she's now the showrunner of the Bold Type that's on Freeform. Used to be ABC Family, uh, but she was a writer on The Middleman, and mm-hmm. so she was there. So they also brought her up, which is things that they do too. Like, oh yeah, that's right. You were. Why don't you also uh, come up right. on that panel? <laughs> and so. Uh, but she mentioned this little side story of like, huh, I wonder if like back, I had that on my profile on Twitter and my old Sunday school teacher yeah. like friended me and, and said that she loved the show. And she goes, I wonder if that's because she was watching the 700 club and then saw <laughs> the show afterwards and just decided to watch it. And then and happened to see my name as like a writer yeah. of an episode or that something like that. And then Natalie Morales was like, I wonder what the Venn diagram is of <laughs> 700 Club Christian to mm-hmm. middleman. Middleman fans. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? Uh, yeah. Uh, what is that circle? Like, how big is that circle in the thing of uh, the, the little watch show it's, that, that it's, was? But, it's something odd to consider. Yeah. But yeah, then, uh, yeah, then, then we all did the Battlestar panel that day. And so say we all. Yeah. And that was cool. Edward James almost leading the, the whole. 1200 seat theater in in the so say we all chant and that was uh, uh that was a pretty cool way to end that mm, almost definitely. two hours of uh of sitting in some really uncomfortable seats yeah. <laughs> in a beautiful theater yeah. But, there, yeah there was a guy behind me who kept uh during the battlestar panel kept going oh no oh no and it, i realized oh he hasn't seen no, the show he hadn't he hadn't <laughs> we, we were there we were sitting next to each yeah. other so i'm like why are you why here would you come to the he's only seen panel. like four episodes it's like you know you're gonna get spoiled come on and he was like upset that he was getting spoiled it's like dude what's you, yeah you just it's came to a reunion <laughs> what on. did you think they were gonna talk yeah. about it's a retrospective <laughs> yeah a couple of other amazing moments for me i didn't have to touch on this bo willeman's panel i mean he's just fantastic oh, he's, he's cool. such, yeah. he's such a great storyteller that last year yeah and i missed i missed his panel I last, year. last year i didn't see the whole thing and yeah. so was really excited to hear this year and it was called the unknown and unexpected and he actually it's funny what he, the description was the description would be written after the panel because right. that's totally who he is yeah. and so <laughs> that was amazing um it was just an experience it's really hard to describe if you haven't been in a room with him but what was the best panel probably of the day in a traditional panel um, uh, format, Battlestar was not traditional. That was just, mm-hmm. you know, 
off off the chart amazing. It was the revival of the the socially conscious sitcom, and so I got to see some of the creators of some of my favorite shows, Daniel. Sanchez Weitzel from the Carmichael Show, um, Justin Simeon from Dear White People, my husband's a big fan, mm-hmm. Mike Royce from One Day at a Time, Gloria Calderon Collette from One Day at a Time, and they were amazing. They were amazing. The the um, moderator Sandra Gonzalez was fantastic, and they just really addressed you know some things about the struggles of bringing these types of conversations to the TV, but how rewarding it can be as well. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like all of their networks are pretty supportive of what they're trying to do. You know, Jason, you just talked about the Carmichael show and how they try to tote that balance of serious subject and humor. And all these shows really do that pretty well. So it was really exciting to see these people in person and hear what they had to say. Yeah, those are all great shows. I love Dear White People. Very cool show. Those are the style of panels that they end up with at this this type of show, this this type of festival, where it it so embodies the different things of where you have something big like Battlestar Galactica and, you know, whole cast there and just a Q and a, you know, that's, it's just a Q and a for 90 plus minutes, you know, after, you know, a little bit of introduction, you know, at the beginning and, but then you have new shows being screened that haven't been, you know, they haven't premiered yet. You've got old shows being screened that were really popular. And then the obscure shows that are mm-hmm. being screened, uh, that, uh, that, that canceled too soon things. And then these different industry type panels that they create each year, it's so interesting the different topics that they come up with and how they, in those ones, they almost don't come up with a topic and then fill it. They look and see who they have and come up with a topic yeah. on based on like who's, who's there. Yeah. Cause I remember last season, uh, one of the ones that I went to that was interesting was about writing for the writing Westerns. Mm-hmm. And it was because they had the guy who did justify and yeah. the guy that did hell on wheels and Westworld and then Westworld. And then, and something else there, you know, and so they, and they were all there, like they were there for Hell on Wheels, but then uh, some of the ones that were there for, weren't there for those shows. They were there for other things. They just happened right. to be working on those shows or just had finished working on that type of show. Like yeah. Justified was over, but he's now working on something else, but he had just finished that and that falls into that Western genre. And so it's those types of things that they, they put together and whatever uh, type of TV fan you are, you can find something that you're going to be interested in, uh, whether you're a writer or a director or, mm-hmm. and you love the behind the scenes stuff, or you're looking to, you know, check out new stuff. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff that was, you know, from ghosted to midnight, Texas to snowfall to the bold type. They had tons of actual stuff that's going to premiere summer into the fall that they uh, that they were showing at the festival. You could you could have seen a whole bunch of you know screened a whole bunch of stuff that's not going to premiere for weeks now. And on on Sunday, I saw one of the best premieres I've seen I think in years, which was Glow on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. That's another one that premieres here pretty soon. It was so damn good. I think it comes out this Friday on Netflix. But that premiere was so good. Allison Brie was great. And just the panel just turned into this whole, because there's this, the, the premiere begins with Allison Brie playing an actress who can't get a role. And, uh, it shows you how difficult the casting process was for, uh, a woman, uh, a non-name actress in the eighties, right? And just how, uh, how belittling the process is. And one of the questions to Allison Brie was, has, is that true? Or has that changed since the 80s or 90s? Mm. And she was like, nope, it's the same. 
She's like, I've been asked to take my top off in so many different things. She was naming shows that she auditioned for that, that the audition was a degrading experience. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, it was interesting because there was some kind of tension going on on the panel because the casting director for Glow was there uh-huh. and she was a woman. She was like, but, but, but we don't do that. <laughs> and, and she was like, Alison Beer's like, no, you don't, but other casting directors do. And so it kind of became a fight. Like, well, the casting director was like, not a fight, but just this lively discussion. Right. The casting director's like, well, we're trying to change that culture. And Alison Beer's like, no, I get that. But the culture hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I like that if she, she was actually throwing shows and stuff like that. that yeah. she had, I, I like that because I, I hate... They might not put that video up. Yeah. Well, I hate when in these in these types of discussions, though, when somebody says something and starts to throw something out there and says, "But I'm not going to say who it was, or I'm yeah. not going to say what show it was, or yeah. I'm not, and it's just like, well, oh. then don't even tell the story now." Cause she, that's she was the- happy to call out Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "They made me take my top off and do all this stuff, and I was just humiliated." So. Yeah, that was the one that somebody was saying that, and then she didn't even get the part. Like, she didn't get the part. Know, so yeah, yeah, that was a. Yeah, that that's uh, that's pretty terrible. We'll quickly move on to the the last day of the festival, Sunday, a shorter day. It uh, usually things usually end about three o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. So there's and there's not quite as many things at any given time. Uh, but uh, Mike, what did you uh, what did you get to on? Uh, did you get to anything on Sunday? Just glow. <laughs> just glow. Yeah, just glow. Glow was glow was my one destination Sunday, and, and I'm so glad I went because I'm just sold. Uh, Mark Marin is in the in the show, and he is just born to play this role he's playing. It's a totally different role for Allison Brie, um, and I, I think it's just going to be one of these eclectic uh, casts that come together, kind of like Orange Is the New Black. You have this all female cast with everybody, um, so many different types of characters and actors creating something new. I think that's what you're going to get in Glow. Looks great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's also I remember. I remember the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Me like, too. From back in the day, like when yeah. when the uh, the WWE was the WWF, right? You know, wrestling yeah. and, and stuff like that was uh, you you'd catch on, you know, the USA Network or whatever or something. Yeah. yeah, the glow would be like late night on something or whatever. And yeah, uh, in my market, it would come on after Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's so I would watch <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, that was. Yeah. So yeah, to see like a show set in something, uh, it also makes me feel sort of old. And the, the, right, the, 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 it's a it's a period piece of something that I remember from like when I was in high school, you mm-hmm. know, type of thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was. Uh, how about you, Key? Any, what was the? Yeah, so I got to go to two things. Um, Mar and Brock Akil had a conversation, and it was mainly about Black Lightning, their new CW. Uh, show that's coming out soon this fall. And so it was really exciting to see because they're a husband wife um, couple and um, they've done some of the shows that I've watched. And so um, that was a nice, really intimate conversation at Google Fiber. You know, Sunday morning, some people had flown out already, mm-hmm. but it was, it was, it was cool and honest. And, and, and Sarah Rodman, um, I don't know if you all have seen her as a moderator. She did the um, panel for Snowfall, but I've also seen her. Yeah. Uh, and the family drama panel, and she's just she, she works for the LA Times, and she's a fantastic um, journalist and um, asks great questions. And so, anytime she's on the stage, I'm happy to to be a part of it. And of course, I was at Suits with you yeah, and a bunch of other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was uh, Suits. Was the Sunday was sort of the day I was looking around. And I was like, well, I was kind of interested in something at you know ten o'clock, and I was kind of interested in going to see Glow. 
but that started like pretty much right when uh, Suits was supposed to end, and so there was mm-hmm. no way if you stayed for the whole thing to actually go to that. So I was like, no, I think we're going to go to Suits. I don't know that I want to you know, kick out of there early to try and make it over there. Uh, I know some people that did and didn't make it in, so they both missed the end of the suit panel and didn't get to see Glow, so that was... The yeah. Suits cast was a lot yeah. of fun. But yeah, they were... They didn't do some of the things that they had done in the past where, uh, like when they did a Dawson's Creek one, they they used people from the festival and all the parts. They didn't have a bunch of Dawson's Creek actors there. Oh, to read uh, the do it. Well, they had... They had a couple that had been actually on the show that were, but they didn't have them playing their part and mm-hmm. they gender swapped the roles that they had them, you know, like a, they had like Mae Whitman reading Dawson, you know, <laughs> type of thing and which made it hilarious. But they also did something similar uh, for one of the main script readings that they did last year, but I didn't get into that one last year. So I was wondering what they were going to do this time. Cause this was one where they were doing the pilot script reading for suits but they were actually having the whole cast from the show. And so you're like, are they going to play it straight? Are they going to read their own parts? Yeah. You have the whole cast here, but are they going to have some fun and switch them up and, you know, have Mike be Harvey and Harvey be Mike or, you know, even something else, you know, type of thing and, and have them goof around playing the other person's role or uh, what they did is they had uh, Nick Wessler and, why am I blanking Abigail on her Spencer. Yeah, Abigail Spencer at the end playing basically everybody else that was in the episode that wasn't one of the main cast members. Wow. So the grandma and, yeah, the, you know, you know the, the, this client or that client yeah, or right. this person they dealt with, uh, you know, Mike's roommate or, you know, friend and stuff like that and all these things. And so they had, a, <laughs> it was funny cause they had this whole, they had the cards in front of each person uh, with their, the character name on it mm-hmm. and in front of them they had a giant stack of them and they were like going through oh. so nick wexo played like 10 different people yeah, yeah. so they, they is but, he on suits no no, no. okay he's just a no. but that was yeah. the other thing that ended up being funny is the running gag ended up being since abigail spencer has been on suits mm-hmm. playing the character of scotty is the creator of suits was reading all the like scene setting bits and stuff like that and okay. he would say and then he would add in like and it's amazing how much grandma looks like Scotty <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but, but she was having a lot of fun with it. She was doing voices and all kinds of things when she was playing the role. So they did have a lot of fun with it and they, you know, they interjected things within that and uh, it ended up being a lot of fun to go. It was a great experience. Uh, to go see that. Yeah. So that, that was the one thing on my list and I got, I actually got to it. So my Sunday was a success. Nice. And Glow was your one thing, so your Sunday was a success. Rousing success. It was so awesome. Uh, Did you hit up anything else after uh, after suits, or was that? No, I think that was the final thing I could get get into. So because there was a couple other things, but they were so close to when that ended that you at that point I didn't really want to rush around and run to something. Just sit that, have some fun, and uh, but yeah, so that's the type of stuff that happened each day of the festival. So. uh, Mike, overall, best like best uh, best moment. Sort of maybe you could give best moment of the festival, but mm-hmm. even like say anything out, anything happened outside of the like outside of a panel screen, like mm. you know hanging out at the Hulu yeah. Lounge on a right some night or something like that, or 
Let's see. I didn't do a lot of, you know, outside hanging out because I live here. So I basically was just <laughs> come, going to what I went to and, and Go going home. Yeah. But we did have our, our podcaster meetup, which was a lot of fun. And I met a couple of new people there. Um, but besides Battlestar, like, uh, I w- I'd been anticipating Glow, like, all year. And it, it just did not let me down. So that's probably going to be my highlight. That's, that's, always, that's always a plus when you go into something with the big expectations and mm-hmm. the, you're hoping it's going to be good and it's, mm-hmm. you're looking forward to it. And then yeah. when it actually lives up to those, that's, yes. uh, you almost can't do better than that. Yeah. How about you, Key? For overall, say, of the festival or something that happened outside of you know, uh, sitting in a panel or screening? We actually did. I actually did get to meet quite a few new people and recognize some people from last year, even outside of like our podcasting, you know, crew. Um, so that, that was fun. And I love engaging people, especially when they're not from town. Um, but certainly meeting Mike Royce from one day at a time. Um, he did a show called men of a certain age, which I loved. Love that show. And <laughs> I got to, they should tell do a him, gone too soon panel for that show. Uh, here at you know, Romano. He yeah. hinted that there might be something in the future. And Good. so I was just like, really glad to just be able to tell him how much we love that show and just how great of a job he did. And, um, and so that was definitely a major mm-hmm. highlight. Nice. And Jason. Yeah, it's, that's, <laughs> It's my question, and it's like, yeah, yeah. what's your answer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. This, uh, overall, for the, I think Northern Exposure was great. Battlestar Galactica was really great for stuff within the, uh, the panels. Uh, I'm not, I didn't really have uh, the whole, most of the, a lot of the cast of, of Battlestar Galactica showed up to the Hulu Lounge. Yeah. You know, later after their party let out, they came back I over to. I saw the pictures. To the thing, you know, and so there was the opportunity, uh, like Melissa, the Televixen, who got her picture taken with uh, Katie Sackoff, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, she was perfectly happy. That was she could have gone to nothing else the rest, of, you know, the, the yeah. whole weekend, and that would have that would have done it for her. I didn't have any of those those types of uh, things uh, with you know some cast member or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but some of the things that I I thought were really cool. Is you can tell, I mean, there are certain people that have, you know, they're busy, they're in the middle of doing something, and it's cool that they took time out of their schedule to fly here and do some a couple of panels on a day, and, and then they take off. Mm-hmm. But there's also you can tell, you know, some of the ones that are the you know the ATX ambassadors and stuff like that. Uh, but there's others that you can just tell they're into the the scene, like Javier Guru, Mark Swatch, mm-hmm. like. At the end of the panel, he was like, "I'm going to be standing outside if anybody else has any more any more questions, type yeah. of thing." And uh, or like Jonathan Tucker on the Black Donnelly's thing. At the end of it, he was like, "We're going to such and such a bar at three <laughs> o'clock. So if anybody wants to come have drinks, you that's know, great." He, you know, he invited everybody that was there to you know show up to the bar if they wanted to talk about the show anymore and stuff like that. And so, that's pretty sweet. There's certain people that like really get into the spirit of ATX and sort of you know. They're also fans and stuff like that. I'd say TV. Graham Yost is another one of yeah, those. Graham Yost, Bo Willimon. Yes, absolutely. Uh, is I think would be in that that category of things like that. That they come to hang out too and talk with people about not necessarily their stuff, just stuff, stuff. they like. You yeah, know? <laughs> so like just any random TV conversation or something like that. And so you get those types of uh, things. And so those were. Well, I didn't go to any of those things. Those were things that sort of stood out that I really 
thought those were those were cool. I was like, if I didn't have this thing that I'm really looking forward to going over here, yeah. going over there to the bar might be kind of cool to yeah. hang out and see, like uh, you know, and maybe get a chance to talk with the, you know, Jonathan Tucker and Billy Lush about the about the yeah. show or something like that. Because yeah. their stories of how they got cast for that was was pretty phenomenal and things of that nature. But uh, coming to Austin, you guys live here. Yes, we do. Uh, we're spoiled. It's all about the food yeah. for me too. I come in, coming here <laughs> with, the, with the festival, and so best thing you ate during the festival. <sighs> you say we were talking beforehand. You said you did. Uh, I don't know. You did some serious picking out this uh, week. You kind of. I did. Yeah. Well, I, I'll go with my first meal when Melissa Televixen and FemTV came over. We took her to a little hole in the wall Tex-Mex place called uh, Camino Real, and we just gorge on the queso <laughs> and that was probably the best meal i had all weekend gosh i had quite a few good meals honestly um the tater tot chili in the hulu lounge was fantastic <laughs> i heard they had good food and there. it was free I didn't, I didn't go yeah that was great but also easy tiger what did i get over there i got oh, um, dude, i forgot my easy tiger yeah meal. Oh, the easy yeah. tiger meal was fantastic mm-hmm. uh kielbasa with uh, grilled uh, grilled onions <laughs> and something else yeah i had the garlic sausage with the cider hit the spot yeah, yeah. so those were a couple of good ones mm-hmm. yeah i think for me was was it last night i think went to gordo's mm-hmm. and when i heard there was a restaurant that everything was whether it were sweet or savory, it was donut based. Yep. People go, that's weird. And you go, it's just, if you take the sugar out of the donut, Spread. it's just bread. Spread. Yeah. Right. But it's with the consistency of a donut. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there's, their donuts are almost like a hybrid between like a cake donut and a fried raised donut. Yeah. It has a slightly different consistency. But when they brought out the dessert donut and it's <laughs> a warm donut that they just cooked, mm-hmm. you can't get a fresher donut. Like, other than maybe sh- even if you show up to a donut shop like right at the beginning, you might get a warm donut, yeah, uh, or like Krispy Kreme when the lights on, mm-hmm. you know, you might be able to get a donut that just came off. But very seldom you go to a donut shop or someplace where you it's get made just for they you. just cooked the donut, and that was they should have done phenomenal. a collaboration because Bob Daly from Superior Donuts was here. That would have been a cool, <laughs> right. like kind That's of right. you know yeah. overlap. Very cool. Yeah, I mean it's. Always fun to see what kind of weird and wacky donuts they got at Voodoo Donuts. But oh, yeah. if you can get to Gordo's and get one of their dessert donuts, we did, amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And uh, we'll close out with you both enjoyed another festival. Yes. Absolutely. So definitely going to be back for season seven. I will, I will definitely drive the uh, <laughs> 15 minutes to get to season seven. Yes. I already have my ticket, so yes. I, I will be there. Same here. I already bought my ticket for next year. I will be back as well. Awesome. Uh, what would you say, Why, if you're talking to somebody that was interested in the festival, what would you, what would you tell them reasons, like you're, you're a big TV fan, like, you're, you're, you're thinking about coming to the festival. What would you tell them? To get? Why, would they, why should they come? You're gonna you're, you're gonna experience some surprises. You're gonna you're gonna maybe go to a panel like we were talking about, where you're not really sure what to expect, but you're gonna be pleasantly surprised because ATX invites creators that not only love what they're doing, but love to participate with the audience. So even if you go to a, a panel where you're not too interested in the show, it's going to be entertaining. And you might find something new to watch or to add to your Netflix queue or to your Hulu queue or whatever. So, yeah, just 
even if you don't see a tons of shows represented that you love, I would say still come. Come for that one you want to see and then stick around and just go to some random panels and you'll really be entertained and you'll learn about new creators and find uh, new stuff to watch. I think my advice would be, you know, it's been a really down-to-earth festival, a, a festival where you can stand in line with celebrities and showrunners and fans and they can all be together and so even though it's getting bigger there's still a little bit of that element but i would say don't just come for the stars come for the people just the people of all i've met such fantastic people throughout the last um couple festivals and so i'd say as you're geeking out on your favorite show also get to know the people that you are standing in line with Yeah, you're standing in line with somebody who's just as interested in a show Mm -hmm. or something that you are that they've come to austin in the middle of summer to stand in the line outside Mm -hmm. where it's hot yeah you can turn around and be like you you like this show too (laughs) all right yeah let's talk about it right yeah yeah, you know chat up the people and you can have some you know, even if you don't become like best friends or something like that, you have some interesting conversations passing the time, you know, that half hour while you're standing out there sweating in the Austin sunshine. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's the thing I would say is the, is the surprises. There's, there's always going to be something that you're disappointed that you missed out on this other thing. So you go over, I uh, mentioned my friend Ivy, who came for the first time, he missed out on the actors, the action panel at the beginning. And then... Since he couldn't get into that one, he went over to the Stephen F. Uh, Austin. I almost called it the Stephen F. Baldwin. Thank you, Kyle, for <laughs> mispronouncing that all weekend long. Oh, no. uh, the somehow Stephen F. Ball or Stephen F. Austin Ballroom somehow ended up getting shortened to Stephen F. Baldwin. Which now I want to know if Stephen Baldwin's middle name starts with an F. That's all I want to know now. Yeah, it would be weird. I keep forgetting to look it up. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, is he went to the mixtape? Thing, which was about music oh, yeah. and and he said that the room was maybe like a third full or something like that mm-hmm. but that it was an absolutely fantastic panel about the use of music and scoring and things like that uh, in in shows and you know finding the right song and doing all kinds of that type of stuff for the music element of the show mm-hmm. and so be open to yes. to go into things you never know what you're going to you're going to find and uh, but that's that'll do it for our uh, recap of uh, ATX TV Festival season six. Thank you, Key and Mike, for uh, well, I guess letting me join you <laughs> to record this yeah. episode of well, TV thanks, Times thanks Three. Thanks for orchestrating. Yeah, thanks for inviting. <laughs> and uh, we'll have uh, links to where you can find uh, their podcast, and uh, but you can go to Permanent Record. Yep, permanentrcrd.com. And uh, we'll have that also linked up, but you can find all of their uh, podcasts on the network there. And uh, next week, uh, Amory and Ray will be back with me, and we'll uh, sort of be back to our uh, regularly scheduled uh, type of episode. We'll, we'll be talking about uh, some new shows and things that have uh, been starting up here in the summer, uh, things like Dark Matter and whatnot that have uh, been coming back here as the summer's gotten away. And uh, you know, thank you again for joining me on episode 372. It was fun. Thanks. One tidbit. It's Stephen... Oh. Andrew Baldwin. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, it's Stephen A. Baldwin. Yeah. yeah.